This meeting is being recorded. Hello, welcome back to Rigged. Um, today we have a full house. Uh, Chris Post is here. Um, Ilias is out. He is uh, working hard doing his lawyering thing. So we gave him a hall pass for today. But um, Andrew Quermar is here, and uh, we also have a another special guest, uh, Bill Shaner. Uh, Bill, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, yeah. So I am an uh, independent journalist uh, focusing on Worcester uh, on the municipal level, Worcester politics and such, and doing a lot of work on the police um, since I launched my newsletter in 2020 it's called Worcester sucks and I love it uh, <laughs> I used to I used to write a column at Worcester magazine before it kind of got destroyed by venture capital um, and now I'm doing my own thing and the uh, very excited to talk about the um, Department of Justice investigation into Worcester because it's kind of the only investigation that's ever happened. The local municipal government will not substantively uh, do any anything to hold the police accountable, um, yes. which isn't unique to Worcester, but it's pretty bad in Worcester. Right. And that, like you said, we, we talked about Springfield. Spring, the Springfield Department of Justice investigation was the only... Uh, we did talk about that before, yeah. It, it was the only federal investigation during the Trump presidency uh, that the, the feds did into any police um, outfit. And uh, yeah, that it's was like crazy. amazing in and of itself that it happened during the Trump presidency. Like, well, yeah, it, 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 it shows how bad it was, right? Yeah, that and that's that's something I've been looking into is like Jeff, Jeff Sessions in 2018 sort of scuttled the, um, the pattern and practice investigation program uh, by way of a, a memo, but it seemed like the Springfield one started in 2018 and then um, once Biden got in office, they were able to finish it or something like that. Yeah, it's, it was kind of kind of interesting how right. that the timing of that. All right, so I'm going to read. Um, I'm going to read from the Department of Justice's uh, website. Uh, they they posted on Tuesday, November fifteenth. Justice Department launches investigation of Worcester Police Department. Uh, the Justice Department announced today that it, it has opened a pattern of practice investigation into the Worcester PD. This civil in investigation will assist uh, will assess whether Worcester PD uh, engages in a pattern or practice of excessive force or engages in discriminatory policing based on race or sex. The investigation will include a comprehensive review of policies, procedures, trainings, and investigatory files and data. The investigation will also include a review of WPD's system of accountability, um, including its system to address misconduct complaints and discipline. That's a big one for the uh, what happened with the with the priest there. That is the most uh, recent one that I have seen. Oh my God! Uh, like uh, you sent me that link just a little yeah, while it's, ago. It's unbelievable. It absolutely unbelievable. Can we play that? The whole, yeah, well, I'll I'll look it up on YouTube for it. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll look I, it up. I mean, oh, just like for people who haven't like heard about this, like this, I think it was some sort of custody dispute where the police were there to like pick up a kid, but this like preacher, he's and outside church. his church, and he says like to the cop, like, "Oh, you're a tyrant," and the cop basically says, "Get back inside." And the guy says, you're a tyrant and you can't tell me what to do. So then the cop like starts chasing him and he runs back into the church. The cop like tackles him to the ground, just like tases him for absolutely no reason, they, is arresting him. Yeah, and then they arrested his son-in-law for no reason and they arrested his pregnant daughter pregnant for no reason. On the all because, all because he said you're a tyrant. It's crazy. Yeah. All well, because, how, what how do you make it into that? Yeah, how do you prove that you're not a tyrant? <laughs> by tasering a priest in his own church in his own no church reason. that you want to see a fucking tyrant <laughs> yeah right right i'll show you a tyrant i'll show you a tyrant and you know what's amazing the what's really amazing 
sorry like just i, I want to say like when you see these things what's incredible is like when you see a police officer do something absolutely outrageous like this the first response of the other police officers there is always to join in and start ganging up on the people and like the participating in it yeah 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 there were other cops there that were just punching parishioners yeah. like they were just yeah. people that were at the church they just started swinging yeah yeah all, all video. look out all right yeah so so can here we go. Any, uh, Jamie, can you play yeah, any of it? Yeah, I can play it, uh, Chris. I'll just let me fit. I'm going to finish uh, reading this and then we'll we'll get to it. For so sure, based, sure. based on information provided uh, to the Justice Department, we find significant justification to investigate whether the Worcester Police Department engages in a pattern or practice of racially discriminatory um, or gender-based policing and uses excessive force, said Assistant Attorney General uh, Kristen Clark of the Justice Department's Civil Rights Division, ensuring that our law enforcement officers act in a constitutional and non-discriminatory manner is among the highest priorities of the Justice Department. That, that, that's a big job. That's, that's a big job if that's really their highest priority. Our, <laughs> our pattern or practice investigation of um, investigations are a key tool in our efforts to ensure community safety and promote constitutional policing across the country. Uh, we look forward to working with officials towards the shared goal of ensuring constitutionality, effective policing, and fostering greater trust between law enforcement officers in the community members they serve who they don't tase. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. The city of Worcester is a thriving, vital part of our district, and we work closely every day with the police department, said U.S. Attorney General Rachel Rollins. WPD officers have a challenging job. Of, see, she really has to uh, kind of walk the fine line of ensuring the safety of the Worcester community. This often means responding to or encountering tense or at times dangerous conflicts and situations. I am well aware that the overwhelming majority of officers serve and do their jobs with honor, pride, uh, restraint, and distinction. The purpose of this civil investigation is to determine through objective and thorough examination whether or not there is an overall pattern or practice of conduct that violates the constitutional or federal law. Well, um, like, so that's admirable. Yep. But like I watched the video that you sent me, right? Yep. And the police threw a pregnant woman to the ground face forward, right? Like on her stomach. Yes. It's yes. The most outrageous thing. One of the most outrageous things I have ever seen. On film. It, I yeah. mean, they have it all on film and it's like, oh, you know, we know they have a hard job. These pregnant women always mouth off to them. And this one, this one wasn't about race. It was like, just being a just dick. Have, they, ego. they just do that because someone was saying, you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. And they're like, no, we're going to come inside your house. We're going to throw you to the ground and everyone else inside is arrested. Yeah. yeah. Just completely out of control, like it all because like this cop, like his ego couldn't handle someone just calling him a name. Like it's so, it's so incredibly, it's like predatory basically. It's like they're they're saying like I don't like you, so I'm just gonna you know I'm just gonna tase you. I'm gonna like beat the shit out of you, uh, on camera, and I'm not gonna get in trouble because like you know I I know that my my colleagues are gonna have my back. Yeah, and, and that's. Did. that's yeah that's the um the internal affairs investigation i'm not sure if there was a a ruling yet in this case but they they, they were very, clear very, he was they were clear he was clear they, said, and, they okay. said it was appropriate use of force to just tase the shit out of a random <laughs> guy for no fucking reason yeah and, and you have to imagine that that's something that the doj is looking at is like the internal affairs investigations in the Worcester police department very rarely find the officer at fault and it's like I mean, obviously they wouldn't. It's Worcester cops ruling on what Worcester cops did, right? Like that. Right. That's not a, that's not an acceptable level of accountability. No, um, it's not. And, this also and, brings up the body cam issue, you know. So previously, you know, when it first became a thing, like maybe five years ago, I was a little bit worried as a public defender. I was like, oh, I don't know if I want the cops videotaping everything that they do, but now. You see them treating like anyone like this terribly, yeah. And it, it just it opens the whole world's eyes up to how how they feel like they can treat anyone, right? Yeah. And what's wild about it is like when body cams first 
uh, became kind of like an idea. It was like, oh, they're going to solve things because we'll just go and we'll watch the video and it'll be like football where, you know, we have like a, an instant replay. But then like what happens is that cops think that they're allowed to do this shit so that like when they do it and they see a video, they just don't care. Like they're not going to actually hold each other accountable because they actually think this is appropriate behavior. It's crazy. Yeah, and if your internal affairs uh, department is clearing you on it every single time, then, you know, why would you think any differently? And when you think about pattern or practice, I mean, like, this is not an isolated incident in Worcester. Uh, and the DOJ hasn't specifically said what it is that triggered their investigation. This is just sort of, I wrote for, um, for Luke O'Neill's Welcome to Hell World about this, and I described it um, sort of like, th like th there's just a lot of things. There's a building body of evidence of these things that the Worcester police routinely do. I mean, just uh, I think last week um, the the city had to pay uh, this kid three hundred thousand dollars. Who in twenty nineteen he was just walking back to his apartment, and there was a fight outside of this bar in downtown Worcester, and one of the cops literally sicked his canine on this guy, like like the 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 drug dog was there, and he had the drug dog attack this guy who was just walking back to his apartment, uh, yeah. and there's. There's a yeah, body camera that video of that too. That Worcester is not the only place, but yeah. No, of on. course not. Yeah, but the thing Bill is talking about, it's just like random predatory street violence. It's like the, the cops are investigating a fight at this restaurant and a guy, I think he lived in the upstairs or next door, and he basically came up to them and said, hey, can I get into my apartment? Like, I just want to make sure it's okay. And they just fucking throw him on the ground and have a dog attack him because like this cop is like so hyped up for some reason that he just decides he's going to attack the first guy he comes into contact with. It's like yeah. just, and they lie, he lied about it. And then the guy, even though the, there's a body cam, I think the guy had to find a video from like a surveillance camera to exonerate him because the DA was going to like go forward prosecuting him for, for assaulting the cop who had actually assaulted him. Right, right. And the cop, of course, lied in the report. That's yeah. kind of standard practice. And that's like um, the thin blue line that we always talk about. Like they, there's yeah. zero accountability there. And the DA's partner with the cops because the cops are like, they're a, they're a team. You know, so they back each other up. They need them to testify in their cases. They need them to, you know, do all these things and they don't want to piss off the cops. So they have have def uh, deference for them. It's just. Yeah. And I think that's part of why this DOJ investigation is occurring. And I'd like to bring that up a little more after we've like listened to the audio here. Sure. I'm going to play the first three minutes. I'm yeah. going to share my screen because that's fun. And now we have a YouTube channel so you can watch it on the YouTube. Oh, nice. I'm playing it directly from YouTube, so you can check it out there. I'll post it on Twitter, on our Twitter account, so you can see it. But let me get this going. And by the way, a lot of cops are not like this, right? Yes. But when they yes. act like this, it needs to be looked at. It does, and the cops who aren't like this need to call this out because yeah. they're getting they're getting thrown in with these guys who who are the worst of the worst. And they need to stop protecting them, and more importantly, ensuring that their union does not protect them, because this gives all cops a bad name. All right, here we go. Cut the audio. Yeah. I don't think the audio is coming through. Yeah, yeah I'm not getting the audio. On you, my... you guys can't hear it. Oh, it's nope. playing. All right. Um, I don't. Yeah, I don't know what to do about that. All right. You know what? I can play it on my phone. That's fine. I'll, I'll that do works. a real fancy style. Yeah, yeah. Turn up a little bit.
So in case the um, listeners don't understand what's going on, right? Because the audio isn't that great. um, It's some cops who came up to a couple of people on the sidewalk and then essentially pushed them indoors. And then eventually some pregnant woman inside the building got thrown on the floor on her belly. And they, they tased the pastor and people, he and, uh, and some of the people who know him who are inside are saying that he has a heart condition and that they need to like get off him and stop tasing him. And they're just, this all started because he called a cop a tyrant and like the cop could not handle, you know, getting called a name. Yeah. Right. So he behaved the most like a tyrant possible. Yes. Right. He decided um, to prove him right. And yeah. And- in that screaming that like a lot of that distorted noise was the sound of the taser like going off and the screaming of like there's some some, i don't know if there was a child there but it i mean multiple people screaming in the background yes and it just it is absolutely and this is all taking place inside of a church right is that where they were yeah like you couldn't think of anything more like symbolic that this place is supposed to be a sanctuary and a cop who is reacting like a tyrant because someone called him a tyrant and you know he's like going inside this place and violating the sanctity of it and uh you know harming these people yeah and and we should say that they they filed false charges against all of these people and they all beat them. Yeah. The, the father and his son, they were all acquitted. They actually were brought to trial by the DA's office, despite them knowing that these were completely like false trumped up charges. And the woman's charges, I think, were dismissed. Um, and then the the father and son are suing the police department over this. Yeah, incident. I was going to ask, so, what's the status of the civil suit? It, it's still, the civil suit I, was launched uh, relatively recently. I yeah, believe, but so it's going to cost the city, you know, just because the, these cops with their ego problems, like it's going to cost taxpayers hundreds of thousands of dollars, quite possibly. Yeah, I mean, honestly, at least yeah, well, I can go down too. I mean, that, that guy freaking deserves it. He, he was just like assaulted in front and, a, and the woman was it's what are they doing? What are they doing? Yeah like it is madness but this is not an isolated incident right guys you you, you talked no, about so yeah keep going yeah so um just in terms of judgments paid out i mean worcester spends a lot of money on civil litigation payouts for the police department i mean just uh in september eight million dollar payout for a guy named uh i'm gonna butch this but natalie casenza was uh wrongfully convicted uh, in a home burglary by a detective who the court found knowingly fabricated uh, evidence it, to it put two, this guy two, away. Two, uh, two detectives knowingly conspired with, e- with each other to either produce false evidence or um, uh, man- to either manufacture evidence or I think uh, to pressure witnesses, I think, uh, was yeah. what happened. Yeah, and that was in 2000. The guy was in jail for 16 years and just won an $8 million settlement. Uh, and little little bit of insider uh, irony here. One of the detectives, Carrie Hazelhurst, went on to be the spokesman for the police department for at least a couple of years. He's not doing that anymore. But he was like literally the detective who lied and fabricated evidence in this case went on to be the guy who talks to the press every time the Worcester police do anything so like what does that say you know yeah and they're being (laughs) and they're being sued by another guy Dana Gall who was they were trying to prosecute him for a stabbing even after DNA had like already exonerated him they and they had like I think another suspect who like they had evidence had done it and they were just decided well whatever he's the first guy we got so we're going to prosecute him and well, he yeah. spent five months in jail for something he didn't do that they knew he didn't do. Well, mm-hmm. and, th- and that's a bigger problem. And, and it's not exclusive to Worcester. Um, it's something called confirmatory bias. Am I right about that, Chris? Mm-hmm. And, and that is, I mean, that was the drug lab. That was everything. And, it, and it's across the country where something gets into people's brains where they, they just cannot get off their original idea of what happened. If you guys have seen the documentary or the movie, The Staircase, about the um, guy in North Carolina who was charged with murdering his wife, who uh, you know seemingly fell down the stairs, they did everything they oh, could yeah, to yeah. get that guy in jail. 
Yeah. And uh, even when evidence in and even when evidence kind of proved that he, you know, had nothing to do with it. And there, there's there's a number of different cases like that where they just well, it's either ego or something where they just can't get off their original the, idea. A, a really a really disturbing and really like exemplary case of that is right in Worcester. I think it was ten or fifteen years ago. This sixteen year old girl. She was a girl. She was a minor. She was sixteen, uh, like a teen mom and her baby died. And what the autopsy showed was that the baby was very sick and probably just died from being ill. But they, the, cops, oh, yes. the cops pulled this girl into an interrogation room with no lawyer, no, no legal guardian. And, and they, they, yeah, they not wrong. And they just started screaming at her that they had all this scientific evidence that she smothered her baby to death and they fed her the whole story. And they told her that, you know, they'll make it go away as long as you confess to it, you know, like you're not going to be punished um, or the punishment will be minimal. We're going to get you and your um, siblings into foster care because they had a bad home situation. And they were also accusing her of killing her brother who like who had died as a child um like when she was yeah also in a similar case where it was just a medical thing so they this this girl's baby had just died a day earlier and they pull this like girl who can't even process her baby's death into an interrogation room and when she was leaving she was telling them that like she she thought that she was going to go be able to plan her baby's funeral like she didn't even understand what was going on but so, they so they put her story that story came out when i was a judicial fellow for the superior court and was working for a bunch of judges and that story in and of itself made me decide to become a defense attorney mm. yeah and speaking like of... it all came out then and i just like could not believe what i was hearing yeah, and she got she got two point one million dollars again, millions of dollars because they just decide they want to put someone in jail. They just assume that someone is guilty and then like decide you're guilty and and we're right. just gonna make you say that you're guilty. Yeah, well, it's just part laziness too, right? Yeah, it was just it wasn't even ordinary thing. They it, they knew she was a minor right they trapped her in an interrogation room in the police station right they wouldn't let her leave they would not let an adult come into the room and they fed her lies and they said that the uh you know someone had looked at the bodies and and, and said that or the body and said that uh it wasn't sudden infant death syndrome that it, they had proof that uh, the infant was purposely uh, smothered to death. And that was not true at all, right? At all, right? And then she sat Terrible. in jail for three, four, five years. Do you remember how long? It was, she... it was like two and a half years. And the craziest thing is after she, they, the lawyer gets her out, the and she's suing the, the city and the police department, they filed they a counterclaim. They claim, yeah, they filed a counterclaim blaming the lawyer for not filing his motion to 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 prove that it was a coerced confession fast enough. And there, it's like it's a murder case. Like you have to like take your time. Like it's not like you can just whip up a motion in like two minutes and get her out. And like they they were saying that if if um they had to pay money, like he should also have to pay money, like you know, part of the the settlement to this woman for not doing a good enough job after they're the ones who like coerced her into giving a false confession for a murder that wasn't even a murder. It was just a a, a baby dying. It's a that, sick baby. It's a sick sick police department that they want to like psychologically Whenever, torture a grieving. Those detectives, like, did they still get money from the state? They got they they just kept doing their their so-called jobs, you know, like interrogating people. They they weren't punished in any way over this. The police department said they stood by them. Well, do you know that, or are we speculating? No, that is when the when the news articles at the time they said that they were like the they supported the cops. Yeah. So the police union in Worcester is I I I don't think I'm being too crazy by saying that these guys are absolutely crazy. They ran a city council candidate. The, the, the president of the police union ran for city council uh, in the last election cycle against a black guy. And they were not subtle about, uh, <laughs> <laughs> about that. Um, and it was, it was really, really insane. And they have a local Facebook page where they talk about stuff. Uh, and the stuff they say on that page is um, 
really sort of beyond the pale. They they posted a picture of uh, the mayor with the Hitler mustache because um, because he took school resource officers out of the schools, you know, after like a oh. lot of community pressure. That was like the one post uh, BLM reform that Worcester did was they took the seven school resource officers out of the public schools. Um, Dude, why do they want cops in schools so bad? Like, why do they think that is such a great idea? Like, they want to make they them just, like prisons? Because they love the cops. Yeah. The, 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 the local political culture in Worcester is very much just wrapped up in the thin blue line flag. They, they don't want to go there. And you know, what? The, the, the really, the, the sort of, the really awful part about this is we talk about how much money the police department uh, spends in these lawsuits, but the police department doesn't spend it in Worcester. It's budgeted from the legal department. So it doesn't even come out of the police department's budget. It comes out of the general fund uh, and not at the expense of the police. The police get a you know, 5%, 6% increase every year. This comes from stuff like, you know, uh, good windows in uh, middle school or like uh, they're taking care of black mold problems in school buildings or you know all the there's a 70 million dollar backlog of deferred maintenance in Worcester public schools so the entire city suffers for the actions that police officers that a court finds that police officers did in the wrong the police officers themselves don't suffer because of qualified immunity the entire city suffers because the money is not coming from the police department budget and they face no internal accountability at all when they're when they're caught doing these things. It's it's really it's really messed up. Uh, and that's why the DOJ investigation is like the first thing in a long, long time that might actually uh, do something about this. Yeah, and I wanna, locally, it's nothing's happening locally. I want to ask it's, you something about that bill, which I was I, I read this. I think it was in Mass Live. There was an article after the DOJ investigation about the city council meeting, which I think you watched, um, where the city councilors were basically complaining that they were blindsided about this investigation. And I was really struck by that because it's like the, the reason the DOJ is coming in to investigate you is because you guys are not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And it's like, okay. they, it's like they didn't understand what was going on, that these people are like not there to be their friends and to help them plan their PR strategy for like how they're going to break this to the public. Uh, yeah. to, to them, it's like it's all perception. It's like managing the public perception. It's not actually right. addressing the problem with the police. But I was just struck by that. And I was like curious. Yeah. What your so, so it's actually. Were. Yeah, so they talked. They didn't talk about it at, at any length, but um, two of them took the line that they were like, "Well, I'm just so upset that I, you know, I had to hear about this from my constituents." But the worst part was uh, City Councilor Kate Toomey, who is the chairwoman of the Public Safety Subcommittee. Like that, the Public Safety Subcommittee is supposed to be the one that's looking at, you know, police department policies and procedures. And, oh, they're losing lawsuits. Let's try to change the policies that are leading us to lose these lawsuits. They're supposed to be doing that. But um, for lack of a better word, Kay Toomey is just a, a bootlicker. She loves the cops. She's never going to say a bad thing about the cops. Uh, and in that meeting, she straight up said, just because things happened in the past doesn't mean they're happening now. That's what she said. <laughs> she was like... She was like, oh, the Department of Justice is investigating. Well, just because, you know, some bad things might have happened in the past doesn't mean they're still happening now. And it was like, oh, the chairwoman of our public safety subcommittee is saying that is basically just saying, oh, I don't think there's anything worth overseeing. I don't even know what the DOJ is looking at. Like, we're just we're doomed locally, short of like a, an entire changing of the guard. Yeah. Nothing's ever going to come from a municipal government to to put a stop to instances like the the tasing uh or the canine well, you know or the minor they're enabled right so yeah. guys since since 2010 guess how much has been paid out in settlements for police misconduct in worcester yeah four. Uh, four million four, four million, million. yeah it's gonna be a lot more lot. now yeah 30 lawsuits. how much was it of... it's four million <laughs> four million okay and they well, just got, not counting just eight the eight million, million now. Yeah, the eight million now. So it's about to <laughs> so shoot up a lot. Yeah, this was well, in the, this was in May of twenty. Uh, yeah. This was in May of twenty twenty one. So it's at least twelve, and then tack on another third uh, three hundred thousand dollars for the beer garden incident, 
and we'll call it loosely 13, there are at least 15 cases where there hasn't been a ruling yet. Um, so it's going to be a lot more than that. Um, and yeah, I think that really what the DOJ was doing here is they, they were like, it might've been the tasing and the body camera footage of the tasing, but we don't know that. I think it yeah. really could have been, wow, just by, by volume, look at all the lawsuits coming out right. of Worcester. Well, and, like what is going on here, right? The, the other thing it could be is this Hector Pinheiro complaint. So Hector Pinheiro right. is like the local civil rights attorney who files most of the lawsuits against the police and the, the people who run the city hate him. Um, but he, he helped put together this, like, I think it's like 750 page complaint documenting, I think 12 different instances where the police were allegedly like beating people, filing false police reports, illegal searches. They were like staging evidence to make it look like people had committed crimes when, when it was just like fabricated. Um, yeah, just like, <laughs> yeah, no, it does. It sounds like it's like modus operandi. And he, and he uh, Hector Pinheiro submitted this to the local, uh, the, you know, attorney general and the federal prosecutors. Um, and I know that early on when Rachel Rollins, who is the former Suffolk DA, she became the U.S. attorney, the federal prosecutor. Brad Patrician, the Telegram and Gazette investigative reporter who's done a lot of work about this, asked her about that complaint and she said she would look into it. So that's one possible explanation for how they started looking at this. But really, I think yeah. like Bill is saying, it's just the volume of stuff coming out of such a small place that it's like hard to to just deny that there's a, a problem there, even though the people who run the city, you know, that's right. their modus operandi. Yeah. And to, to paint the picture of how much like sort of Worcester like likes to put its fucking um, fingers in its ears and go la 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 whenever like you talked about police misconduct, um, the, the police chief, uh, Stephen Sargent has been in the police department for 37 years now. In 2020, um, he said twice at two public forums about police racism and misconduct, said that he's never in his entire career seen a single incident of racism in the Worcester Police Department. And he said it twice and it got reported on the first time and he said it again. Uh, so, and like whenever the chief comes and talks to the city council who are like allegedly ostensibly his boss, he's faced no repercussions for saying that. And they're like, they basically like pay fealty to him whenever they talk to him. They, there's no like public pressure being placed on him at all. And he, that's just a kind of a foreign concept in Worcester uh, that there would be, you know, civilian oversight and accountability of the police department, you know? Like the like all through BLM, they were constantly repeating this mantra, you know, like we're not Minneapolis, we're not Baltimore, we're not Ferguson. You know, Worcester police officers are different. And we're looking at like 40 lawsuits <laughs> and more recently body camera footage showing that they're not different at all. Yeah. And the they're other not. thing. The other sort yeah. of data point about how the the city is not like. I mean, I think that to, to Bill's point about the chief saying there's no racism, that's just like people turning a blind eye and saying we don't want to like look even look at this. But then the other data point is the Telegram and Gazette um, filed this public records request. This goes back to the Hector Pinheiro complaint where they want to look into these 12 incidents and I think 17 police officers accused of this like serious misconduct that kind of goes to the integrity of the whole justice system, you know, staging evidence and illegal searches and false police reports. Um, and they say, give us the internal affairs investigations. And the city refuses, even though, get this, the city has been sued twice by the Telegram and Gazette in the past 20 years for the exact same reason. And so the, it took them three years for the judge to um, side with the Telegram and Gazette and say, she said that the legal arguments the city was raising to withhold these records were like so preposterous and so absurd that, that that she had to conclude that the city acted in bad faith. They were just misrepresenting the case law and saying that the law was you know different than it really was, uh, like just going against the plain language of the exemptions to the public records law. 
Um, yeah. And and so, yeah, and, and their whole thing was like, well, we don't want to release these records because these officers are being sued and we don't want it to affect the outcome of our cases. And it's like, they basically, they, they want the, this stuff to go away at least until the cases are resolved. So there's no public pressure and they don't have to settle these cases because their law de department is so aggressive about fighting these cases. And we don't know how much money they're wasting fighting these cases because they, they don't track how much money they spend on litigation yeah. for each individual case. So yeah. like- It's just it's, a bulk line item. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah that, that number that I gave was the, the amount that was paid out, not the amount that it cost to take this thing to trial. Yeah, and you have to I think that these are extensive. For the, um, if I can interject, the, oh, go yeah. ahead. the you know, the DAs and the ADAs who start off making $32,000 a year or something like that, uh, who are uh, representing the city in these fights, you know, they are uh, terrified of losing their jobs and make shit anyway like less than an uber driver so i in some sense commiserate with you know them being told from people higher up in the city like or in the da the da's office uh you know we gotta fight this thing but uh you know well, it's really hard for them in the trenches the person yeah. the person who fights a lot of these lawsuits her name she doesn't work for the city any well she doesn't She's not employed by the city anymore, but she still contracts with them. Her name is Wendy Quinn. She was the, the lawyer for the public records lawsuit and for many of these police abuse cases. Mm -hmm. And she um, is she was the, the head of the litigation. She was the head of the litigation unit in the city. And now that she is contracted with the city as a private attorney, they pay her $250 an hour. So she's not getting paid peanuts like she is maybe maybe not the highest paid lawyer in the world but she makes a fair amount of money doing this um and they She's fight a lot these of work cases. too yeah they fight these cases very aggressively they take them to trial whenever possible um which is incredibly expensive um and we don't know how much money they're spending on it because like i said they don't sort of track the the hours that the attorneys put into these cases like when the, for the public records thing i asked them to show how much money they, they they spent on the the actual costs of the litigation and they said they didn't know how much it cost because they weren't tracking it um so like yeah the, the the amount of money they pay out in settlements is like just it's just part of what they're they're paying it's paying the lawyers it's paying probably paying these cops when they come to testify in court they're probably getting paid overtime um do, you know yeah. there Absolutely. there's all these costs and there's not we shouldn't just talk about the monetary costs i mean this affects people's lives these people who are victimized by the police and some of them go to jail for things they didn't do sometimes for very long periods of time some of them um they have to spend time clearing their names like they have to investigate these things because the police and the da's office are like actively trying to cover up the truth and frame them for things that they didn't do um, right. and, and and even if they know that it's the truth is going to come out they will often put these people through you know the legal process to make them clear their names and you know like that is like the psychological impact on someone and the financial impact if they can't go to work uh if they lose their job i mean it's like it's really sickening just to think that they're doing this to so many people with no accountability at all. It is yeah, no accountability. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, like the, the city's law department where, where all of this, where all this happens is um, not really headed by a, 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 a seasoned lawyer. The, the head of economic development just moved over to the city solicitor position because he's part of like the old boys club, like the provincial, like fucking uh, l little power center that controls the city. So th these aren't, I don't know. It's, it's not the, it's not the greatest legal mind in the world. Uh, he's been just wrong on rules and procedures of city council meetings at the city council floor. And the, it's not a political issue in Worcester, how much money uh, is being spent even at all. Like, so like we don't even, even saying that we don't consider you know, the hardship that this causes individuals, which of course is the worst part, we don't even consider the, the effect that this is having monetarily at all. <laughs> you know, like uh, even on those two levels of consideration, there's no consideration. Yeah, and, and part of the thing too is we don't really know where these decisions are coming from. Like we don't know if it's the city manager's office, if it's the city solicitor, if it's just 
the people in the litigation unit who are just told, you know, go have fun and do whatever you think is right. We don't know if the police are telling them what to do in these cases because yeah. they won't they won't answer questions about this. Like the past city manager would not answer any questions to the Telegram and Gazette or to me about like this public records thing. They won't answer questions about any of their um, police abuse cases. Um, the the city solicitor doesn't answer questions. The lawyers don't answer questions. Like they just don't want to talk about it. And in fact, I filed a public records request about the um, the public records lawsuit after the judge found that the city had acted in bad faith withholding these records. I asked for records showing all their like planning for the litigation, and they said, "Oh, that's all attorney-client privilege," which you know they can do, but they don't have to do it. They could say. Oh, the judge, because they're saying they disagree with the judge's finding that they acted in bad faith, but that they won't actually release any of the documentation for what they did. And then on top of it, the, the lawyer who the judge said acted in bad faith, this, this woman, Wendy Quinn, she leaves the city and they hire her, you know, through a contract to do more work, including on an appeal related to this public records lawsuit. And like they can't explain why they have this woman working for them who a judge said was acting in bad faith and misrepresenting facts to the court. Uh, and they, they can't show their work at all. Like they just don't want people to be looking at this and even thinking about it. They just think that they can sweep it under the rug. And that's kind of right. why this DOJ investigation needs to happen. And right. that's what they're up against. The, the DOJ, like this is not, you know, Baltimore or Ferguson in, in, in like the size of the police department or uh, in, in, but this is a city that's very, that has inoculated itself very well against scrutiny of the police. Yeah. Uh, and I think they're going to have a, a tough time uh, prying, prying the city open. I mean, this, this will take years. We're not going to even learn what it is that the DOJ was looking at for probably at least a year, maybe two years. And then getting right. the consent degree signed is another whole can of worms, you know? Yeah, right. so when, why don't we bring up what the consent decree? Does anybody want to kind of define what that is? Sure, yeah, so the consent decree um, in, in all of these pattern and practice investigations is like sort of a handshake deal between the police department and um, the, the justice department we're going to change these specific policies. We're going to hire these sort of uh, outside people. We're going to do these sort of trainings. And then that's monitored by uh, like a, a, a court appointed monitor who tracks their progress in actually changing the, the prescribed policies. So there's an investigation into what the Department of Justice wants changed. Then there's a negotiation period between the department and the, and the DOJ on what the consent degree will actually say. And then there's a period where they're monitored to see if they actually change the policies, procedures, et cetera, that, they're, that they said they would. Yeah. Uh, and this all, this all takes years and years and years. Yeah, and just to interject a point, if people look up some of the older um, pattern and practice, or I'm sorry, the older consent decrees that have been signed, often the things that they are agreeing to do are so absurdly basic that you're like, holy shit, like how is this not the policy already? It's like basic stuff like documenting when cops injure someone or like, you know, like training police not to lie on their, you know, police report. Like it's, it's, it's like so I was just looking at absurd. Uh... yeah. I was just looking at Baltimore's for for that hell world story and literally one of the ones of the of the 12 bullet points one just reads uh police officers will respect the first amendment right of citizens. <laughs> like and that's all it says like they had to come to that agreement by way of a federal consent decree. <laughs> yeah, they're like, gonna, like they're going to start doing that. Don't yeah. tase people who call you tyrants for example. Yeah, right. Don't tase priests. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, so there is a guy, so there, one of this, um, after this came down, um, Worcester Telegram ran a story here on a guy named, uh, is it Carlos Alvarez, right? Carlos Alvarez, uh, yep. Yeah, and so uh, here, I'll, I'll just read uh, an excerpt from the story. Alvarez sued the police in January 2020 over a 2014 incident that took place along Main Street. According to the lawsuit, Worcester Police Captain Michael uh, McKiernan arrested Alvarez after witnessing a possible drug transaction. 
A small bag of cocaine fell out of Alvarez's pocket during the arrest, according to the lawsuit. The suit claims McLaren later searched Alvarez's phone without a warrant and lied about it during court proceedings. Alvarez was then sentenced in January of 2017 to three and a half years in prison for drug distribution. According to the suit, McKiernan wrote in a police report that he saw a text message, quote, pop up on Alvarez's phone saying, um, I'm going to use the, well, N-word, I need some shit, which, <laughs> yeah. which McKiernan interrupted, uh, interpreted as asking for some drugs. I did not Super access solid. the cell. Yeah, I did not access the cell phone, and I do not know what the number is. McKernan wrote in a 2014 criminal complaint, according to the court documents, based on Alvarez's behavior, uh, the um, the location of his money, the the denominations and location of his money, the recovered drugs, and the message on his phone. Alvarez is being charged with unlawful possession of a Class B substance, crack cocaine with intent to distribute, resisting arrest, and trespassing. McKernan said in this, uh, the same thing to a grand jury in 2015, leading to Alvarez's indictment on drug charges. However, the model of phone Alvarez owned doesn't display text messages on the phone. <laughs> yeah, indicating mm. that any text messages would have to be viewed by opening the, and searching the phone. And I read that and I was like, come on, guys. I know. Come I know. on. Yeah, it's like a lot of it is like that. It's like very, very just dumb behavior, you know? Like well, just dumb and it's a confidence scheme, right? Who's going to call them out? Right, like, right. If they, they can that's, say what they want. Very, I don't know if I told this story before on the podcast, but my first trial, when we were prepping for it, my boss said, why don't you just say the cop is lying? And me being like, you know, like a white guy, I was like, the cops don't lie. <laughs> and just like it, it, from the past 10 years, oh my God, I was so naive. And yeah. And I mean, this kind of stuff, it, it, but like the motive behind it is, is what's really kind of crazy and interesting. Like, like we've discussed, like we've kind of explored with the drug lab stuff, it, it it is shocking what like when you look at the emails behind what what you don't see in court and what you don't see in the official transcripts. When you see these people talking to each other, they're basically like, "Fuck that guy, he's going to fucking jail," you know, like he did it, blah 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 blah, and and they'll just like they have an idea of someone being guilty. And they truly, not they, not all of them, but a lot of them don't care what the evidence says. It's almost besides the point, right? It's, yep. it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And yeah, it's like, to what end? Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. what are they doing? What What is that? That's a great um, point, Bill. Like, what, like, what, it, so you arrest people for drugs. Does that stop drugs from coming into Worcester? Does that stop, like, absolutely you arrest not. the guy that has fentanyl? Does that stop fentanyl from coming into Massachusetts? It doesn't stop anything. It is a total waste of money. That's no, and I mean, it's just like, it's so, it's so perverse because like these cops clearly don't care. It, I mean, on the one hand, the cops are supposed to like promote safety, but they don't even give a shit whether the people they're arresting are guilty or not. Like they'll frame a 16 year old girl whose baby just died for a murder that didn't even happen. They'll put people away in jail for like a stabbing that, that they know someone else did. They'll, you know, they'll, yep. they'll fabricate evidence. They'll coerce witnesses into testifying against people and they don't care what the truth is. So they're not really out there to make people safer. And then on the other hand, they just engage in this like totally random, like unprovoked violence against people, like just beating the shit out of a dude who's trying to get home for no reason like and it's like you wonder like you're right to what end it's like they're not here for our safety and when like people talk about defunding the police it's like would we rather have like a literal street gang that's just going around and beating the shit out of people and locking them in cages for no reason or would we rather have like housing for people is a big one right now like everybody needs housing yeah. there's like reporting about this all the time like housing is out of control in the state people can't afford it you know people need uh like medical care they need all kinds of things that actually make us safer and healthier and live longer lives 
and instead we're spending it on people who don't even care they don't give a shit if they cost us eight million dollars for taking away 16 years of a guy's life um and it doesn't affect them one way at all they they know no personal ramifications yeah i have met a bunch of really nice cops who do their work and just want to help the public but what i have learned from a decade in criminal defense is that's not the majority of cops right yeah and and it's like it's a culture and it's a system that doesn't incentivize right we we don't want to demonize them all because there are some good people actually yeah sure yeah 100 percent but uh few and far between yeah i think we need to we need to sort of like i feel like I, I almost hate when people say that though, because it's like, sure there are, but like there are good people everywhere. But the, the problem is that the issues with police are so foundational that like, it's beside the point that some cops are honest and good. Like the, the system itself is like so perverse and so um, corrupt. Like you can't excuse like deliberately putting innocent people in prison because sometimes you get the right person. Like that's just not, it doesn't yeah. the math does not add up there like it doesn't you can't you can't like balance the equation of innocent people you put in jail by by convicting a few other people who are guilty like it doesn't work that way for this problem so we defund the police get rid of all police or maybe police well, that, unions right. get less power right yes like, it's not, it's not it has to start with the unions in my in my opinion the, the unions are out of control Right. Like, yeah. And what do you do about that? Impossible to fire a police officer in Massachusetts. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. WBUR just had an article that said, like, cops that get fired for cause are then rehired by other police departments. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And this is the thing that that post commission is supposed to fix by putting all the data online. It's the new peace officer standards and training commission, but they won't release any of the data. They haven't put the database online. They've postponed it multiple times and they won't tell me what day they're going to release it. And when I request like, like if a set of data, like I requested the state police data, they won't give it to me. And they claim that it's tied up in some lawsuit with the police unions and they're not like, they're not willing to give it to me. Um, and it's just like the police unions will resist any encroachment on their just their like ability to act without um, uh, without accountability. Like if anyone comes in and says you need to follow the rules and we're you know we're going to standardize things so that you can't just you know do things your own way, they're going to resist that and say that's not fair. You're not treating us you know like the the saints, you know, who are above reproach, beyond reproach that we, you know, that we are. Yep. Yep. The the entire culture wrapped up with that, with the, just the mythos of the thin blue line um, is like, it's, it's worse. It's best represented more by the police unions than by police departments themselves, because the police unions have just so effectively inured, um, like the, the, the supposedly, you know, this is supposed to be a part of local government. But it's right. like laughable how much that is not the case, right? Yeah. They, they, they just operate by their own set of principles. And the police union uh, makes sure that that happens. And I really haven't heard a good uh, policy prescription for how to stop police unions from doing that. It's like, how do you do that? Yeah, I do. Right. The, the CPCS, the Public Defender's Office in Massachusetts, by statute, cannot have a union. And like, it's crazy <laughs> when, when you see articles. I like, didn't I'm, know that. That's hold on. What? Look at an article from April 26, 2022, ex Boston police union chief pleads guilty to child, child molesting. Yeah, I know. It's so crazy. Is that like often <laughs> it, it, the people so, who become the leaders of police unions are like the worst people, like not even in the police department, but like on the planet. Like this guy. That he spent in Boston, Patrick Rose spent like 20 years molesting children while the department knew about it. And they made him the, the president of the patrolman's union. That is yeah. I mean that that's more about police culture than unions in general. But right. right. But they but the two are like intrinsically bound. Like the, the police yeah. culture is police like uh, adjudicated by unions. Can't fire a police officer no matter what they do. Right, right. Literally, and I they mean, like they, they had a child molester as the head of their union. 
that, and they couldn't <laughs> fire him like are you kidding me like either they yeah. they didn't want to or the it, maybe they actually couldn't but like how what does that say about the police and not only did they not only did they let him keep working there but they allowed him to be around children there's an internal affairs report where he got to drive a child with like developmental issues home he was alone with this child um drove this child home like because he had a meltdown he got on the wrong bus and had like an emotional meltdown and so they send officer child molester to give him a ride home like are you well hold on hold on now, let's let's be fair let's be fair now okay he probably hasn't molested every child right <laughs> Yeah, but still, right. I mean, they, they do it, and they're and they're endangering the pod. I think that's the point. Yeah, yeah, there yeah, are cops out there. There are. I've met them. No, oh, yeah, yeah, right. They're but just uh, this culture where there's no accountability. That has got to change. It's us. Yeah, it's us. And this DOJ investigation is an attempt at accountability. Um, but I don't know, the more that I read about these things, the more the jury's out on whether or not they are um, all that effective. I mean, certainly they would never claim to, that this would be like a panacea to fix the, the problems with American law enforcement, but yeah, well, I don't know. You know, yeah. I, I truly believe that part of police reform needs to be having fewer police. I mean, I think that our society has just taken this position that you can fix everything by putting people in jail. And like, that's not true. Like we have all these other needs like housing and et cetera, that everyone knows our problems, but like, you can't, you can't fix all those problems. You, you know, you can't solve homelessness by sending cops to go tell them to, you know, move along. You have to actually give people homes to live in and you can't solve drug addiction by taking people who are addicted to drugs and putting them in jail. You have to have treatment, you have to have services, um, you have to have compassion, not you know handcuffs. Um, and we just, we need to stop as a society believing that our safety, you know, is like a primarily a function of how many guys with guns there are, you know, patrolling the streets. Because what we've seen is that often those guys with guns are themselves, you know, they're the people out there abusing people and victimizing them. Absolutely. Yeah. And and that's where it's dude, the money that goes to cops, if if even half of it went to solving these creating housing, creating jobs, like that would be way more effective crime fighting than than just locking people in cages endlessly. Mm -hmm. and, right. Eight million and dollars we, for one case. And dude, we never say this as a society, we never say it. America has more people in jail than any other country in the history of the fucking planet. Like mm -hmm. that is true. And we and never also, say it, we never admit it. We're also and, like and, the richest society on yes. the planet. How is it possible that we're like, you know, the most like violent, we, we need to put so many people in jail. Like it's not true. Like we know that violence has been trending downward for decades, but we put more and more people in jail. Yeah, I mean like it's not, the Democratic Party, I mean, not to get too far afield here, but the amount of money they've thrown at the police under Biden to just get out of like the sort of yoke or stigma that they're like defunding the police is yeah. kind of kind of insane. To, well, to and me. that started and, with the I mean, the crime bill with Clinton's it's been going on for 40 years. If you look at history since JFK after JFK got shot, it, it's been going down, 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 becoming like the, the liberals try to out conservative the conservatives on this issue. Because for it's it, but it's our it's the public's fault for like falling for this you know you need more cops you need more cops like we're we're calling for it we want it it's crazy and part of it though guys and this is something that we haven't talked about too look at all the TV shows that are about cops look at all the movies that are about cops that need to break the rules and do those and like just be a little more extreme to get the bad guy they make it all so black and white. And that's it's propaganda that's been going on dragnet like there's been shows the untouchables going back forever that are just yeah. basically propaganda that perpetrates this kind of stuff and it's been going on for years so it's a societal problem that runs very very deep all right guys true uh, thank you very much for your time today do we have anything sure. else or are we are we good no i i, I think i'm good this is a fun conversation yeah, thank you, Bill, Andrew, and Chris. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we'll be back again next time. Thank you. All Great. Right. Good being here. Have a good night. Thank you.